Don't you love the line that he turns seas into highways? Obviously a reference of the Israelites. You know, when they got to the edge, it felt like their life was over. They got the, the uh, Egyptians behind them and it's like, we done, we did. I know we maybe often feel like that in life, whether it's your business or your marriage or whatever it is, you go like, it's over, it's done. But then God has this ability, His miraculous power to take a sea, split it apart, and the Israelites walk through. I mean, it must have been a massive chasm that would have been created for the Israelite army, which was thousands and thousands of people to walk through. Isn't that incredible? He turns seas into highways. And God can take your situation, your difficulty, your struggle, and I'm telling you now, your mountain, whatever it is, and He can move it out the way. Do you believe that? Some of you are like maybe doubting, a little skeptical. He can do that. He really can. Whatever it is right now in your life. Come on, let's take a moment to pray. God, we thank you that you can do this. What we're singing about today, Lord, whatever our struggle is, whatever is standing in front of us today, we're probably all in a similar situation. We look at the economic struggle right now, the price of fuel, and we're like, I don't know how I'm going to get to the end of the month. God, I don't know how you're going to provide for my kids fees. God, I don't know how you're going to just provide food. I don't know how this business opportunity, this deal, I don't know how, God. This relationship has been strained. I don't know how you're going to repair it. But God, today, we put our full faith, our hope, and our confidence in you. We can't do it, but you can. You're the only one who can. And we believe that this morning, God. And Lord, I believe it for every single life represented here today. And I just pray today that each and every one of them believe it to themselves. We believe it, God. We believe. Church, I've got a prayer request here from Janine. Uh, she's asked us to pray for her aunt. Um, it's Gwen. Uh, she's stage four melanoma and with a brain tumor so we're just trusting uh, just for full healing there the chemo and radiation start this week and we're going to trust for healing for her and um, I don't know if anyone else is here today that needs healing uh, of something maybe you're not you're struggling with something could you just maybe lift up your hand and let's just pray Father we pray for every need here today God where there's healing that is needed Father I pray that as we offer up our prayer and faith your word says you will make the sick person well. And we're believing that for every person here today, and particularly Glenn, uh, not Glenn, Gwen, this morning, God. We pray that, that you would be with her in and through this really difficult time, be with the family at this time, Lord. And we pray for complete healing. We pray for a miracle, Lord Jesus. We know the doctor's report doesn't look good. That's the mountain that stands in front of her today. But we're trusting you, God, to make a way that you would bring healing to her body. Father, thank you for doctors, for nurses, for medicine. We, we are so grateful for all of that God but we know that you are the ultimate healer and Lord sometimes you may use medicine for that so we're trusting if she has to go through with chemo God that, that it would be successful and we believe you for that God and we're trusting you for full healing over her body in the mighty name of Jesus and for anyone else here today we believe in that in Jesus name and everyone agreed and said Amen Amen basically means it is done it's, we're in agreement together it's not just this thing that we say and all the ladies are saying, why don't we say our oh, ladies? It's got nothing to do with that, okay? Oh, man. Thank you, Bent. You're gonna, we're going to sing a little more in a moment, right? Yeah, you can bring that up now. Thanks, my bud. I think the next-gen guys are going to head on out uh, now because I'm just going to share a few thoughts around the power of words. Thank you so much. 
And uh, then we're going to sing a couple more songs. Is that okay? I know we... Look, look, some of you are saying, geez, when I went to church, we used to, we used to worship for an hour. Do you remember those days? I remember at Bible college, we used to worship every morning for half an hour, 45 minutes actually. And some mornings, I've got to be honest, even though I was a worship leader, I got there and I was like, oh, this is going to be tiring. You've got to stand, you know. And there was this one guy from Albania, he used to lie on the floor a lot. And everyone thought he was very holy and spiritual, which, you know, he was very fired up when he arrived. But I'm looking at this guy and go, I'd also like to lie on the floor. And the one time at the end of worship, he was in his holy huddle, lying face down in worship. And the guys are saying, no, no, leave him, leave him. God's obviously, I'm like, bro, that acts dorsing. There's no chance. So I said, leave him there. Let's leave him there. And halfway through Adele's dean's class, which followed worship, <laughs> he was lying under some chairs. And he obviously woke up and you just hear, and the chairs lifted. And he sat up and he was fast asleep. So... Um, yeah, if you ever want to act spiritual, just lie down and worship and, you know. Anyway, but we, so we'll sing a couple more songs uh, a little later. But the, the idea of today's service is a, a worship service for us to really just take a moment just to connect in with God, just to slow down a little bit. Also, just really declare and sing these songs that we've sung today. They're powerful songs, you know, that declare them over your lives, declare them over your situations. And... Uh, uh, the biggest lie that we had growing up as kids that we used to hear on, this, on the playground is sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never harm me. Do you remember that one? Do you know that's obviously the biggest lie that we've ever heard? Um, sticks and stones can bruise your body for a few days, but words can bruise your soul for years. It's probably more the truth. Or... Those are negative words, right? All positive words, uplifting words, can transform your life for the better forever. But there are pow there's power in our words. Look at what uh, Proverbs 18.21 says. It says, your words are so powerful that they will kill or give life. And the talkative person will reap the consequences. I think he's talking about the kind of careless, the guy just says anything, you know. Um, I, it was a, a Bulls party weekend for my cousin who's getting married next week. And after a few drinks and a few fines, you know, guys just start talking absolute nonsense. It was actually my, my brother-in-law, Bear, and I were driving home. We were just having a really good laugh, like at that whole, you know, fines culture and you can't drink with, like, I mean, I'm just drinking a Coke with my right hand and he wants to find me because you've got to drink with your left hand, you know. But, um, but there, was, there was some interesting words that were shared yesterday. But words are powerful. They have the ability to build up or to tear down. And right from the beginning of time, we see the power of words when God said that when he created the world, what did, what did he do? He said something. He said, let there be, and there was. I love that song, and as you speak, you know, a thousand, a billion galaxies just kind of just form, and it's incredible, and the power of our words. They actually say that when we speak, we are made up of atoms. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we looked at how small uh, you know, atoms are kind of at the core of who we are. When we speak, atoms are actually released. When we speak. Some of you release more atoms when you spit when you speak. And sometimes we've got to be careful in the front row, you know, because sometimes you get excited and then you do spit. I remember there was this lecturer at Bible college. Well, I can mention his name because I know him. It's Mark von Straten. He, passed, he used to pastor Grace Church. He used to get very excited when he preached, but no, you all knew that you never sat in the front row when he preached. Do you remember that? He would just like spray you. It's a curse watching me now. But when you speak, atoms are released out of your mouth. Words 
are, have the creative ability within them at the core of what they are. Listen to Proverbs 12, 18. It says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. They lift up, they build, they encourage. Truthful words stand the test of time, but lies are soon exposed. I love the Proverbs. If you don't read the Proverbs, I really encourage you to do them. Um, there's, there's enough for one proverb each day of the month. And when you look at marriages that are often um, healthy, you see uplifting and encouraging words that are spoken to each other. I know sometimes we get frustrated with our spouses, but, um, you know, and we, we say things maybe we shouldn't. But generally, when you speak kindly to each other and build each other up, it, it makes for a good relationship. It makes for a good marriage. I was scrolling through yesterday, Jen was like, what are you doing? And I was like, uh, looking through our text history, and there were some certain ones that I remember that stuck out, things that she would say to me that were, were uplifting and encouraging. You know what I'm saying? The ones like, you know, you look so hot, or something, like, or whatever. It's like, yes. You hang on to those ones, right? Is that right? Or ladies, you look, you look beautiful. Men, don't say you look nice, because apparently that nice doesn't do it. Is that right? It's nice. What, nice. What do you mean? Like, well, like nice is nice. Like if I if you eat some cake, it's nice. No, no, you can't say nice. You got to you got to use more. Uh, you you got to bring out the English language here. You know, some adjectives. Is that what they're called? Like some descriptive words. Anyway, but words have the power to encourage and to build up and actually make lasting like impact on your life. They say for every. Uh, negative word someone speaks against you, you need 10 positive ones to counter that negative word. So if someone says, you're thick, you need someone to tell you 10 times that you're actually clever for, for to erase that one negative word. Isn't that crazy? Show me a bad marriage and I'll show you toxic words. And that's normally the case. And I believe, and I don't always get it right, but a good rule to live by is when you think something good, say it. So often we just keep that to ourselves. If you think something good about anything or anybody, try say it. Seriously. Okay, look, if you're married and you see a, another girl that's trained, you don't say you look hot, okay? Just, those are, those, those are not things, those aren't good things to, to, to say, okay? Especially in front of your, your spouse. But you can say, oh, you're looking great today, or whatever it is, you can bring encouragement to someone. See, I didn't use the word nice, eh? I've learned. But if you think something good, say it. If someone did a good job at something, say it. And it, we've tried to create a bit of that culture even here on our staff. And I've challenged it many times before. The one time I remember Maddie led worship at Open Chapel, and we were talking about this. And how many of you went up to Maddie after Open Chapel and said, oh, you, you did a great job leading worship this morning? And not a single person did. So, because I, I thought she did a great job, so I went up to her and I said, great job, it was, it was awesome today. And I, th I just think the more that we do that, the, the culture that breeds is just so exciting. It's so encouraging, so uplifting. You want to be in an environment like that. Because one day it's also going to come back to you. And we all need some positive good things said about us. Is that right? Especially if your love language is words of affirmation. A lot of the time men are in that boat. But speak life-giving words, not only to other people, but even to yourself. Our own words of ourselves are often the, the, the biggest killer. Someone uh, mentioned the other day, I think it was Rory actually, talking about Maddie and then Rory, uh, the favor series I did, I think it was two years ago, and saying maybe we should do a refresher on that. But one of the, the talks on the favor series was about speaking favor, and I spoke about three things. I said, speak it to your mind, speak it 
uh, out your mouth and then speak it to others. You've got to speak that favor. So it starts here in the mind because this is where the battle is. This is where it always starts. I had to fight a little battle this morning in my mind because it was dark, it was cold. I'd kind of finished my message. Normally I wake up early and I just go over it. And I thought, oh, like, okay, it's all done. Maybe I can have a little bit of a sleep in. But I know I've actually, well, I've done my four active days this week with Multiply. You know, no, I've actually been increased now to five and six. But I've done my four, and, but I've only run twice this week because we, we took our friends away. And I was like, mm, should I go for a run? And my mind was telling me, no, it's nice and warm in the bed. And like, maybe just, I could just sleep a little half an hour extra. It'd be so nice. I don't need to go over my message as well because that's all sorted. So I deserve another half an hour of sleep. You know, your mind tells you these things. But then the other side of the mind kicks in. No, no, I need to get up and I need to do it. I need to be active. I need to, you know. And what voice do you let win? And this morning it was very easy to let that other voice win. But you'll be happy to know that I did get up and I went for a run. It was freezing. And I went for a run this morning. And I felt much better after it. And I let the, 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 the positive, the good side of the brain win that battle. And it doesn't happen automatically. It's taken me two years to, to be in that space uh, where I, I never was before. But we've got, we got, it's got to start here. What are we speaking in our minds? What, what are we allowing to overcome our minds? Do we want to just settle for mediocrity in life? Or are we going to overcome that battle that we face in our mind? And are we going to speak it in our minds and speak it out of mouths? Uh, I love this here in Mark 11. This is Jesus. He's speaking to his, his buddies, his disciples. And, and he says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. I mean, you can imagine the disciples, huh? Like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> he says, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Because that's the killer, really. It's, it's doubt that always destroys what we hope for. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. You know, it's quite interesting. It's apparently in the Hebrew text that there wasn't much like a future conversation in their text. It was almost like reality as in right now. So when they say things like blessed are those who, it doesn't mean blessed are those, which by the way, we're going to start in term three, the Beatitudes. We're doing a nine-week series on the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. They're all countercultural things that often have been overlooked in the Bible, but they're hugely significant and important to Jesus because he, he spoke about all these things. And I don't know about you, but I want to know and I want to be blessed. So blessed are those who, who, who mourn. Like, what, what, do you, what, is, what does that mean? Like, so we're going to look at that in term two. But it's not blessed. Or, so in those things, you're really blessed. You've just got to receive it. That's what he's trying to say here. If you believe that you've received it, you've got to believe that you've received it. It will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. It's important to understand you can't expect God to do all this stuff to forgive you and do all these things when you can't even just release that forgiveness to somebody else. Um, I mean, we encourage you that as well when we take communion, you know, and even in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. It's very important. And here you see Jesus saying, basically, we don't talk about the mountain. We, we, we talk to the mountain. And we prayed that a little bit earlier. We, we, we directly, we, we, we talk to the mountain. We don't talk about it. Oh, this economy, the, the fuel price. 
We just speak directly to it, God, that we will prosper. Our businesses will prosper. We will be able to afford things. We've got to believe it. Believe that you've already received it. And yesterday, a friend of mine just posted something on his uh, Instagram, and I asked him just to screenshot and send it to me. Uh, he posted a little comment from a book, a devotional that he's reading by Joseph Prince. Anyone heard of Joseph Prince? Um, he's a pastor of a church in Singapore. I've heard him speak before. He's really... His whole understanding of grace is super powerful, but this devotional is called uh, Give Me This Mountain. And I just want to read this. He's, so he talks about this whole thing, the, the future tense in the Hebrew, that we've, we've got to believe that we've really possessed it, like the good things that God has promised to us. And then he says this, Romans 4:17 summarizes the very nature of God's slang this way. He calls those things that do not exist as though they did. And he says, friend, this is the way God speaks. He doesn't speak what he sees. He always speaks what he wants to see. That's powerful. He doesn't speak what he sees, but he speaks what he wants to see. I know this goes against everything we're used to. Are we really supposed to look at the very real invisible mountain looming before us and offer invisible confessions and words? Can our speech really change the hopeless situation in front of us when even our best efforts can't? The disciples, obviously feeling the same way about the inadequacy of their faith in their words, asked Jesus, Lord, how do we increase our faith? And Jesus goes on, and in this book, uh, he, he, he speaks to him about faith as small as a mustard seed. And that's where that story comes from. And if you just have the smallest amount of faith, you don't have to have a whole lot, but you need to have faith and just believe. And then he says this after talking about the mustard seed, while our words of faith might seem small or as small, invisible and insignificant as a mustard seed, they have the power to uproot something as massive as a tree. So that's his uh, devotional, which I haven't read, but look forward to maybe reading. It says, it's, it's called Give Me This Mountain. I think there's a screenshot of it up on the screen. So we speak what we want to see. And David did that as well. You know, when he came up against Goliath, I mean, the mountain of a man, uh, I mean, he was taunting everyone. Everyone was too scared to challenge him. And little old David, you know, the, uh, the shepherd, basically comes up to him and, and he says, who are you to come up against the armies of the living God. He, he, like, he just says, who the, who the heck do you think you are? And the people are saying he's too big to beat. And David was saying he's too big to miss. He already saw ahead of time. He had prepared himself ahead of time by getting the stones and he had practiced in the fields and he knew that he would bring him down. And he says, I will take you out, basically. I will cut off your head. He spoke what he saw. And that is the power of our words. We've got to speak. This is not positive thinking stuff or, you know, like this, this mind power stuff. Or th This is faith. Speak what you want to see. Speak what you want to see in your marriage, in your business, in your life, in your country. We've got to speak what we want to see. But as I kind of, as I said, I'm not going to be long today, uh, wrapping this up in a moment. I said, speak it in your mind, speak it out your mouth, and then speak it to others. There's this powerful idea in the Bible about that the power of your words and testimony, basically the, the stories that you share to people, it builds other people's faith. Like I'm sharing with you today, there's power in that, right? And in Psalm 144, uh, 
145 verse 4, and it's amazing because as I was running today, I was listening to, I don't really listen to Bethel music much. I mean, I listen to some of this stuff. But one of the songs was saying about how we speak it to the gen- from generation to generation. And it was amazing because this was part of my message. So I just randomly put this album on and those, those words have just been sung over and over. And this is exactly what I want to share. Look what it says here. It says, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty and remarkable acts. The word declare basically means to make known or, or to announce something, to declare something, okay? And what's interesting, seeing as this is a, a kind of a worship Sunday, and I've spoken about this many times before when I mentioned the seven Hebrew words to praise, I want to just touch on one that I haven't touched on much, I think, when, when I've spoken about those, is a, is a word that we get for, for praising God in the Bible. So when it says praise the Lord, like the word love can mean many different things. Like if I say I love you, it's, it's a filia love, it's a friendship love. Then you get agape love, you get eros love, and then you get, um, like if I love cake, you know what I'm saying? Or it's a different type of love, okay? I don't really love cake, by the way. I'm just saying that. What's it called? Storge. Yeah, I've just finished reading C.S. Lewis' book on the four... Uh, four loves. It was whew, it was a bit of a mind bend, and it's actually his audio recordings from 1950 something, and I had to concentrate really hard to get through it. But it was it is mind blowing. He talks about the four four loves, but it's it's with the word praise. When we say and sing, "I praise you, God." Well, what does it mean? And one of the meanings of praise is shabak praise, which is spelled C H A B A C H. And this really the meaning of it is a lifestyle of declaration, and the literal meaning is to shout to address in a loud tone, to command, to triumph, or to speak about. So when we praise God, we, we, and it's okay, by the way, to get excited in church. You know, I remember, you know, growing up as well, you weren't allowed to make a noise in church, you, shh, you know? And I think maybe because people were sleeping, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> or, or sometimes people say, you don't need to shout, God's not deaf. But my answer to that, or argument with that as well, neither are the rugby players deaf, but we shout because we're excited. I can't wait to go back to the stadium. I think there's a Springbok test coming in Durban soon against Argentina. I'm gonna go there and we're gonna shout. We're gonna get excited. And when we go watch my son play rugby and they're about to score a try, we shout because we're excited. I don't know what you get excited about, but there's many different things. Maybe you shout at the beginning of an F1 race or at the end, I don't know. Uh, I've, there's a whole new world of F1 that we've been exposed to. A lot of our friends, like they literally stand and shout and scream at the beginning of the race. It's like, they get very excited about us. I know we've got some Liverpool fans in here today. You guys got very excited near the end of the season, but then shame, it didn't all work out exactly like you wanted. But, but anyway, you did well. Let's just say that. You did well but we shout because we're excited and it's crazy that as parents we often teach our kids not to shout I know because it gives us a headache sometimes when they shout you know when they're young but it's actually something that God has designed in us is to I mean you go onto a kid's playground they shout last night uh, Jonah had his cousin Kewen staying over and I don't know what they do, but they make a hell of a noise. And Jen and I are trying to watch a TV show, and they're shouting. And I'm like, guys, just take it, take it down a notch here. Just calm down, you know? But there's something built in us as kids that we shout. And I almost feel like that, that voice, that loud voice in us almost gets suppressed over the years. It's almost like a little bit like weird if an adult shouts or gets excited. Or we only shout when we're angry, right? 
But we can shout when we're excited, and this is what this word praise means. So when we sing together, you may hear some people get excited in here, and that's totally normal. That's okay. You should all be getting excited because God is so much more exciting than rugby or the F1, really. We can get excited in this place. The meaning of this word praise is to shout. But the other aspect of this word is to speak about. When we speak about God to somebody else, and I'm not saying Bible bash people, but when we tell our story or what God's done, that is a form of praise. Isn't that amazing? When we speak about God from one generation to the next, it's a form of praise. So this here, in, it says, one generation shall praise your works to another. That word praise, the literal translation is shabak, your words to another. It's, it's that declaring from one generation to the next. So when we speak about God to somebody else, it's a form of praise. Psalm 47 verse 1 says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God, shabak to God with a voice of triumph and songs of joy. There's that Hillsong song that we sing, shout out to God with a voice of triumph. It comes from Psalm, 1, Psalm 47. But when we praise God with a voice of triumph, we shout to God with a voice of triumph. There's power in our words, friends. And when we start to get excited about something and shout about something or support something, it's amazing how it can shift an atmosphere. I mean, that's why a lot of people win most of their matches at home. You know what I'm saying? The home, home ground advantages because you've got a lot of your school or your team. I mean, that's what we do, spending our you know, lives on Saturday night. That's what we do, watching rugby. And Hilton College had an incredible team this year, and they, were, they won all their games locally in KZN, and so they didn't need the home ground advantage. Just a little something there. But anyway, but, but there is power when the boys get together and they all shout, and it, it really encourages the, the, the team on the field. And I think God's trying to teach us something today. When we sing together, when we get excited together, when we shout together, when we declare things over our nation, over ourselves, over our friends, we, there's power in that. There's power in that. There's power in our words. And I want to end off with this story, then the band are going to come on up. I told you it'd be short, 15 minutes, was it? 20 minutes, maybe. Um... So this, this pastor I was listening to once um, told the story. And there was this guy that came to him that was a total mess. He literally was at the end of his life. He was like, I'm done. Um, I think he, uh, his wife had left him. And he just said, like, it's over. Like, there is, there's nothing left. I, he wanted to take his life. And this pastor, in his wisdom, said, look, there must be something that you can think about yourself that you're good at. And he was like, no, nothing. He says, surely there's just one thing. He says, I, I'm just, he says, I'm a useless human being. He was just so done, so broken. And he said, just give me one, just, just one thing that you think you're good at. And he sat there and he thought for a moment. And it was quite difficult for him as he, as he was thinking and even trying to think of something good. And he says, I suppose uh, people think I'm funny sometimes. He's like, really? He's like, why? He says, oh, well, I can tell a good joke. And then he went on and told him a joke, and, which was really funny. And he says, okay, now that you told me one good thing, there has to be just one more. Just, just one more. He says, give me another one. And he goes, well, I've been told that, like, I'm a loyal friend. 
oh, that's amazing. I could, he says, I could see you as being a loyal friend. Well, why did they say that? Well, you know, I check up on my friends sometimes and I phone them. No one checks up on me, though. He says, okay, well, that's, that's, that's a good thing. Give me one more. And one after the other, eventually he started writing these down and he filled up a whole piece of paper of 100 positive things about himself. And as he started going through all these things, his whole demeanor changed as he started to confess these positive things about himself. And he actually left that time with that pastor with a smile on his face. And it shifted his whole thinking. Many, many years later, that same pastor did what I was doing today, preaching, and at the end of the service, this guy comes up to him and says, do you remember me? And he says, I'm not sure if I do. And he put his hand in his pocket and he opened up the piece of paper and he said, this saved my life. The power of words. And they were just some positive things about himself. And he said, thank you. It saved my life. Words are powerful, friends. Let's watch what we say over ourselves and over other people. And um, I think what we're gonna do now is just take a moment just to speak the most powerful words of all, and that is thank you, God, just for my life. Thank you. Thank you for saving me first because I think it's gotta start there. It's gotta start between you and God because you actually can't be nice or kind to other people if you don't feel worthy yourself. We aren't worthy in our own strength, but because of Jesus and what He's done, we can say thank you, God, and then through that, our lives change and then we can change other people's lives. So we're gonna sing this beautiful new song today. It's called, uh, I, when we were um, in California, we went to this church, um, Mosaic Church. Um, a guy by the name of Erwin McManus is pa- pastors this church and his daughter uh, leads the worship there. And they sung this song, which I thought was so powerful. So I said to the team, let's, let, let's do the song and let's teach it today. So we're gonna take a moment just to, and you can stay seated if you want, but I want you to sing these words Hum, hum the tune as you get, get into it. And then we're going to sing one more song and then I'll come up and, and uh, just, um, just take a moment just to pray. Is that okay? Let's do that. <laughs> 